Joseph, through God's guidance, went ahead with, uh, with what he knew was right based on God's word. It's not based upon what he thinks, but he, he obeyed God based upon God's word. Good evening, everyone. Okay, as, as we approach Christmas this year, uh, it's good to take a brief look at one of the names mentioned in Christ's birth, uh, particularly someone that can easily get overlooked. And uh, before I told you who's that person, of course, uh, before, before that, I want to share a short story. Uh, Leonard Bernstein Leonard Bernstein is a famous New York Philharmonic Orchestra conductor. Uh, was once asked which instrument was the most difficult to play. Which instrument was the most difficult to play? He immediately replied, the second fiddle. Now, how many of you know what second fiddle means? Okay. <laughs> okay, so I have to explain it. So, you know, in the orchestra... So we have the first fiddle and we have the second fiddle. Basically, it means first violin and the second violin. Okay, so the second fiddle is the second violinist who plays more of a supportive role. So basically, they play a less important notes within the piece. Okay, so we understand that. So you, you, you kind of uh, you know, make it in the opposite of that first violinist have the most important part in a certain piece. Okay, so we got that. So that's what Leonard Bernstein said. The most difficult, uh, the most difficult instrument to play is what he said, the second fiddle. Now he said, I can get plenty of first violinists, but finding someone who can play the second fiddle enthusiastically is a problem. And if we have no second fiddle, we have no harmony because they are the ones who, who play the harmony. Now Joseph, I mentioned that, Joseph tends to get lost in the, in the Christmas story because of Mary, because of Jesus. I'm not saying that Jesus is not important. But of course, Mary, Jesus, the angels, the shepherds, the wise men, and so many others. But Joseph is a very important character in the Christmas story. Now, as I mentioned, the life of Joseph can often be easily over, uh, overlooked because he was only mentioned a few times in the Bible. His short story is only told in Matthew chapter 1 and 2. And also in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. So we know very little, very little uh, of the details of his life. However, if we include some historical insights, we can create a powerful portrait of Joseph. And for this sermon, we will only cover his story from the book of Matthew. But before we continue, let's begin in, in the word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time you gave to us, a time that we can sing together, fellowship one another, and, and most of all, Lord, we can hear 
the preaching of, the, of your word. I do ask that you would open our hearts and help us to be receptive and everything, the truths and principles that we learn from the life of Joseph. And I ask their father that you would build us through these principles. I do ask that you would be with us in our midst. In Christ's name, amen. Now we're going to look at the four areas of Joseph's life. And for that, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 18 to 25. 18 to 25. Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 25. You can just follow along with me as I read these verses. So verse 18, the Word of God says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost." And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now the first area of Joseph's life is his pedigree. Pedigree means his bloodline or lineage, right? You can see that in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 16. The Bible says that Joseph came from the line of David. And as what I've said, if you read verses 1 to 16, Matthew traces the lineage of Jesus Christ from Abraham. And if you read verse 16, the Bible says, And Jacob begat Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now, in verse 20, it says there also, uh, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife. Now, this would mean, this would mean that he, Joseph, and his sons, including the adopted one, which is in our context, Jesus Christ, have legal rights, have legal rights to the throne of David. Now, if the critics want to challenge the right of the Lord Jesus Christ to the throne as the king of the Jews, these verses give a powerful proof that Jesus came from the line of David because of Joseph's lineage of his legal 
father. Now, I said legal father, not a biological father. Well, in fact, both Joseph and Mary in the Bible, uh, Matthew and Luke, traces the lineage of Joseph and Mary. They came from, both of them came from the line of David. Now, this is very important truth because in the Old Testament, the prophets, all of their message, all of their messages, they would actually say to the people of God that the Messiah will come from the line of David. Okay? The Messiah will come from the line of David. Joseph descended from David through Solomon, if you can see that in the verses that I told you. And that was the chosen line of David for someone to be considered king of the Jews. Hence, the Lord Jesus Christ was the son of David by biological descent through Mary and the king of, uh, and the king of Israel by legal right through Joseph. But, you know I, know, I know there are lots of questions in the life of Joseph because what an amazing part of all of this is that God had cursed the line of Solomon, actually, so that no physical descendant or no physical descendant of his could, name, could be named king. In Jeremiah chapter 22, you don't need to go there, uh, verse 30 says Kaniah, or you can see that in verse 11, chapter Matthew 1, verse 11, and jo- Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brethren. So you see, you see in Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 30, says, Kaniah, uh, says something about Kaniah. Write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper, sitting upon the throne of David and ruling anymore in Judah. Now this, could, this, actually, this, this actually created a catch-22 20, 20, uh, catch situation of sorts if you know what I mean. No, so only the descendant of Solomon could be king. Yet this line was cursed. Therefore, but you see, only Jesus Christ could fulfill the Davidic covenant. And Jesus had the legal right to be king through Joseph. But you see, because Jesus Christ was a virgin born, the curse of Can- on Kaniah or Jeconiah, did not apply to him. Instead, he was the son of David through his mother, Mary, who came from the line of Nathan, of course. Nathan was one of the sons of David. So, but you can see both, in, both genealogies are significant in establishing the Lord Jesus Christ as a true Davidic king. In here, particular in our text, Joseph came from the line of David, and we can see his pedigree. Now, let's, let's do the second one, his profession. Now, we all know Joseph came from the line of David. He's basically like he's in the royal line, correct? Well, despite Joseph's background, the Bible tells us that Joseph was a carpenter, or you can interpret Uh, or uh, in the other terms, they said it would be a builder from Nazareth. So he's a carpenter from Nazareth, and not really like a wealthy carpenter. He's a poor carpenter as well. 
is a builder from Nazareth. Working as a carpenter was a challenging, multifaceted profession. He was always associated with working with wood. But, but because Israel has a limited resources when, when it comes to trees, a stone, and stone was by far the most abundant resource in Israel, some scholars believe that Joseph was, have been mostly a carpenter of stone. Now, whether, we work, uh, w- whether he worked with wood or stone or both, we know that he came from the line of David, right? Nevertheless, it seems that his bloodline had no value in the eyes of men during his time. To them, he's only a carpenter. There's no something royalty to him, right? He's not like, uh, you know, prince uh, or king or a king, okay? So, uh, so he's not like that. He's just a carpenter. In the eyes of the learned people during that day, he was nobody. He was nobody. And many people believe that there was nothing good that can come out of Nazareth. Nothing good that can come out from Nazareth. If Joseph had been a wealthy man, he would not have married a poor girl like Mary. Nor would he move to a tiny town like Nazareth. But God had, had Joseph become a carpenter. And it seems, you know, if you look into it that way, God works in our lives to become what he knows is best for us. And that's how God works in our lives. You are what you are right now. It's because of God. But I want you to understand the principle in the life of Joseph. You know, social status. Social status is of little importance or value when God chooses to use us for his work. That's one thing principle that we can learn from his life. Social status is of little importance or value when God chooses to use us for his work. Many people thought to be an effective vessel of God, we need to be something. For example, smart, charismatic, good speaker. Uh, You have the good speaking voice, good singing voice, etc. Now, these qualities might might be good and helpful, but most of the time, God cannot work through these people because they are full of of themselves. And we have to understand that because in the Bible, the Bible teaches the opposite way. We need to be nothing in the sight of God to be something in His eyes. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth to show Himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. I believe God chose Joseph to be part of God's miraculous event, and that is the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he saw that Joseph's heart was perfect toward him. And you can be that person too. God can use you 
if your, your heart and my heart is perfect towards him. So we've learned about his, his uh, pedigree, his profession. Now the third one is his position. Now by position, I meant that G, uh, Joseph was already espoused to Mary when she was found with the child of the Holy Ghost. Maybe, you know, someone may just read this verse, like for example, in verse 18, we, we can see here that the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, if we read that, someone may just read this, uh, this verse and see, and see it's something like there's no weight. There's weight or there's no significance or whatsoever in this verse. Well, so for us to, under, to further understand the situation as a couple, we need to understand the Jewish marriage uh, custom during the time of the New, uh, New Testament. So bear with me. In the Jewish marriage, uh, they had three parts in their, in their marriage. So we have the betrothal stage. We have the preparation time, or what we, we can also say, the waiting time. And then the third one is the actual wedding feast. That's the three, three part of the Jewish marriage. A young woman will be betrothed to a young man before marriage. Now, the betrothal stage can be compared as in our day and age today as kind of an um, engagement, okay? engagement in our today's time. However, now for us, it's like you're not in a wedding yet, so engagements, engagement can be broken together, okay? right? <laughs> but in their time, you have to understand at the betrothal stage, um, it has more significance and carries more weight. Why? Because the groom and the bride, in the eyes of men, they are legally married as a, at the betrothal, as wedding vows would be exchanged in this time. So they're actually in the sight of men, they're legally married. However, the marriage is not yet accomplished or consummated, nor the couple live together. Then a period of waiting and preparation will follow. Now the husband, in this waiting time or preparation time, the husband will make sure that he can provide for his family by learning a trade in our context. In Joseph's case, he learned carpentry. Right? Carpentry. He also needs to find a place for his wife, which means that he will build a house for his wife and future family. Not only that, but the two families will also prepare for a wedding feast. Now today we have the convenience of practically, you know, quick preparation, if you will, right? For the wedding. You can just, oh, let's go. Let's uh, have a wedding. <laughs> Um, but the, uh, but ba back then, all things need to be prepared by hand. Okay? There's no superstore there. There's no you know, mall that we can buy a dress or something like that. But they need to prepare and pre prepare everything by hand. 
they go to the market, they trade something, trading in the market, harvesting the food needed in the wedding feast, making white robes for all the participants in the wedding, and all other significant things needed for the wedding feast. And that's why the preparation time normally lasts for at least a year. And once all things are set, here comes the third stage. The groom will go to the house of, the, of his bride with a large procession with his family, friends, and other people who are involved in the wedding feast. With, of course, torches. So sometimes it will go from the dark. Uh, torches and oil lamps. Remember the ten virgins? It's basically a picture of that Jewish wedding. So, wedding feast with torches and oil lamps. Then the groom will take the bride to his father's house where the marriage feast will occur. And the marriage will be completed on that time. Now, having said all of this, let's go back to verse 18. Verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was, was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was his spouse to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So even though they were still in the betrothal stage, according to their law, they were, they were already or virtually legally married. It was shocking. It was probably a shocking moment in the life of Joseph or even a heart-rending moment for Joseph. Why? Because to find out that her wife was pregnant before the wedding was completed. So you see, there's weight. There's, there's really significance. And Joseph was faced with a difficult choice after discovering that Mary was pregnant. But you know, in verse 19, and the... And the verses after that, Joseph's character is revealed in how he responded to what would have been a very emotional situation. And that leads us to point number four. So we see his pedigree, his profession, his position, but also number four, his persona. The Bible says in Revelation, uh, not Revelation, in Matthew chapter 1, verse, verse 19, the Bible does not elaborate much about him, but God presented him as a just man. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just, just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. His, he is a person, being a just man, now Joseph, you can see, he is a person who does what is right in the sight of God. This character was manifested when he knew that Mary, his wife, was found with a child. Now the Bible says that he is not willing to make her a public example and was minded to put her away privily. For us to understand the situation further, Let's learn something from the law of Moses and how it stipulates about the woman. Now, according to the law, if a young man found his bride to be pregnant before their marriage was completed, he had two options. Number one, 
he can publicly divorce her. By this mean, though, that he would bring formal charges against her, her bride before a court, and if found guilty, she would be stoned to death, making her a public example. The second option, he can privately divorce her, and this means that he would not bring formal charges against her, but of course, end the marriage, and in this way, both the life of the mother and the child would be preserved. And probably Joseph was afraid of the consequences of, the, of his decision, uh, decision to divorce Mary. But Joseph would have been under social pressure to divorce Mary. You know, society would have expected him to divorce her. But he loved her so much. Now, in verse, verse 19, we, re, we, we read that Joseph, being a just man, he planned. Okay? He never cursed into action in, in the option number two, but he planned to choose the second option. That's what the Bible says. He showed his love and kindness to Mary and wanted what he thinks the right thing to do. But before he divorced Mary, the Bible says that in verse 20 and 21, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. God, so remember, he had two options. Joseph had two options. But God, through a dream, showed Joseph that there was actually a third option. And that is marrying Mary. Now, it seemed that this third option was, was not in his mind because as what uh, the Bible says, it seems like it, but God told him to fear not taking Mary of, as his wife. After that, Joseph was, was raised from sleep. We see that the Bible portrays another character of Joseph. First, we see that he is a just man, right? His persona, he is a just man. But here in the second, he is a faithful man, meaning he is a man of great faith. Not only he is a just man, but also is a man of great faith. If you were in the situation of Joseph, would these events make sense to you? I don't know. Right? We can just speculate. But I think for me, personally, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But you see, he knew that these words came from God, and without hesitation, he took Mary to be his wife. And that's what the Bible says. When he actually wake up from his sleep, he did what the angel told him to do. However, this was not easy for Joseph because the consequences of of this were enormous in his life. Consider this a situation in the eyes of townspeople. 
right? Because, because all, would, all they would know that Mary got pregnant before marriage. Now, by taking Mary his wife, Joseph was actually saying that either he broke his vow and got Mary pregnant before the wedding was completed, or he did not, he did not mind being the father of an illegitimate child. Either way, Joseph will be branded as a man with a questionable background. You see, but never, uh, so nevertheless, despite these heavy consequences, we see Joseph obey the words of God by faith. And that's very important. He, it doesn't make sense to him, but he did it by faith and took Mary to be his wife and he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. You know, that's a big opportunity for Joseph. Joseph had the privilege of holding the Messiah, the Savior, the Christmas baby, if you will. The only and one reason why we celebrate Christmas he had the privilege to hold the Messiah. He also had the privilege of naming the baby. Now, I know God revealed to him what would be the name of the child, but God gave him, gave him the name, and he obeyed God by naming the baby Jesus. So you see, Joseph, through God's guidance, went ahead with, uh, with what he knew was right based on God's word. It's not based upon what he thinks, but he, he obeyed God based upon God's word. And he doesn't care what others say. He doesn't care what others say. So remember those consequences that I said? He doesn't care what others say. He knew that marrying, marrying Mary was God's will for him. And I kind of think of this. You know, sometimes we avoid doing the right thing because of what others might think, right? There are things that is a right thing to do, but we avoid it because, you know, we, we're afraid what, what others might think. You know, like for example, telling others who is telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ to our co-workers, maybe, or to our friends, right? We are afraid of, of uh, sometimes we are afraid of telling them because we might think different that they, you know, what, sh what they will say about, about me, right, about me. And also, like, for example, this is just, you know, kind of normal, praying to the public, right? Uh, praying to the restaurant, maybe. A lot of people would see me praying. Now, you're, that's the right thing to do, but, you know, we kind of slip the, uh, Lord, thank you for this food, in Jesus' name, amen. Kind of like that, right? Or you would just say, Lord, we thank you for this food, in Jesus' name, amen. That praying is the right thing to do, but the thing is, we, we think that, you know, they would think me as a you know, crazy person praying with the food because a lot of people in the restaurant maybe don't pray 
but you pray, right? Those are just few examples, very basic examples. But there, you know what I mean. There are things that actually it's a right thing to do in the sight of God, but we refuse to do it because we are afraid what might others would think. But Joseph here, he, choose, he chose to obey God rather than seek the approval of others. Now, in the remaining time we have, we have learned about four things about his life, Joseph's life, his pedigree, his profession, his position, and his persona. But what can we learn from the life of Joseph? The first one is this. Regardless of your background and status in life, God can use you if your heart is right with Him. And I want to encourage you, be whatever God wants you to be. Be whatever what God wants you, uh, wants you to be. Do you believe that God can use you? I, no, if I, if I ask you one by one, do you believe that God can use you? And I think, for me, I will assume that every single one of us would say, yes, I believe that God can use me. But not just use you or me, he also wants to show himself strong through you and through me, meaning that his strength, his power, his wisdom will be manifested through our lives. And I ask you, do you believe that as well? And I'm sure all of you will say yes, because I do, I believe too. And I've been praying that God will always, will always show himself strong through my life, and that God will show himself strong through this church, Grace Baptist Church. I know most of you. I've been here for six years or so, more than six years now, and there are a lot of, lots of people here. God gifted this church with greater, great capabilities, a lot of potential, if you will. Every single one of us has different talents, a lot of you can do something for God. And I can say, we can do more for Him. But what's His requirement? What's His requirement? A heart that is perfect toward Him. Now, perfect doesn't mean without sin. Because if that's what the case, all of us are not qualified. We all do sin. But perfect means just or upright. It means a heart that wants to please God. So regardless of your background and status in life, God can use you if your heart and my heart is right with Him. Second one that we can learn from his life, feelings are not accurate measures of the rightness and wrongness of an action. The world has this mindset, follow your heart. Have you heard that? Follow your heart. That's a good, you know, that's a good encouragement. Wow, powerful. But actually the Bible says, 
Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God's will from His Word is the best guidance we can, uh, we can have. God will always lead us to the right action or decision. And someone said, when we are in the highs or lows, uh, highs and lows of our feelings or emotions, don't act right away or don't decide right away. But instead, seek the will of God first. And that's a good advice. So feelings are not accurate measures of the rightness or wrongness of an action. And number three, this is the last, obedience to what God says by faith, even things do not make sense. That's all what I mentioned already. Do you think Joseph's situation made sense to him? I don't think so. But you see, Joseph obeyed. He obeyed God by faith, and even if if it did not make sense to him. And that's faith. And there are times when God wants us to obey him by faith, even if we don't see the end of all the events in our lives. God just wants us to obey him by faith. You know, I'll give you an example. Look at the missionaries. We've been supporting for how many? 108 missionaries. Many of them, if you ask them, many of them have careers before they became missionaries. Many of them have plans in this life, in this life. But they left their careers. Maybe some of them have a high-paying jobs. But they willingly left their careers, their jobs, their own plans in life to obey God's call in their lives. Now, in the eyes of men, that doesn't make sense. But these men and women followed God by faith because they know if they are in the center of God's will, they're more happy than those people who have you know, high-paying jobs or whatsoever they, they uh, they go forth in their, in their life in this world. Or maybe you are in a difficult situation or you're suffering you know, from health issues. And for you, these things doesn't make sense. But God wants you to obey. While you are in that difficult situation, God wants you to obey and put your trust in Him, knowing that He is in control of everything. So I hope that we learn from the life of Joseph. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.